Hello and welcome to this week's show where we find ourselves in Colombia on an adventure to rescue a kidnapped woman and a gemstone as big as your heart. Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner are romancing the stone. I'm getting out of this jungle dump. I am fed up to here with this treasure hunt business. Yeah. Ira, you miserable worm, you lied to me. You said she was a city girl. Out of her element. Just get her in the map and bring him back. Piece of cake. Piece of cake, my butt. What went wrong? I'll tell you what went wrong. First of all, guess who else is here? You're dead right, Solo. What? Secondly, she's got herself a partner. Who likes shooting holes and everything. The minimum price for taking a stranded woman to a telephone is four hundred dollars. Three hundred and seventy-five in traveler's checks. Not a deal. That's just the beginning of what's going on down here. There's nothing you can say that'll make me go back into that hellhole. Don't bring that up, Ira. Ira, stop it! <laughs> All right, I'll go back. But this time... You're coming with me. Stunt coordinators Vince Dedrick Jr. and Terry Leonard work beautifully together, creating the action for this 1984 Robert Zemeckis classic. Michael Douglas was also producing the movie, so spent a great deal of time working with Terry Leonard to find locations and working out how possible the stunts were to do for real. It turns out they were very possible, and Terry and Vince got together to make it happen. A key ingredient was stuntwoman Jeannie Epper, who had to do many of the stunts first, as she was doubling Kathleen Turner. Let's start with the mudslide. Here's Terry to tell us more. Yeah, we, uh, Zemakis and I, we went, we spent a lot of time figuring, figuring this stuff out, talking it over, scouting locations. The mudslide, which looks like it should be in a, in a Disney park, because you're sliding down the mud and the rain and the water and all that stuff, that was wicked. I mean, they got the mud in their eyes. Jeannie and Vince Jr., that was a tough deal. We shot it in, in three sequences because we, we couldn't... Couldn't do the whole thing in one go, right? In the whole, the whole thing, because it was too long, it was too far. And it was too hard to stay. We winched everything down on ropes and placed the cameras on ropes. And I'm just a steep, steep hill. Yeah. And uh, uh, that was tough. And in fact, I asked Jeannie if she had one more had one more go in her. And I didn't realize it, it's almost like asking a runner to go further than they ever have. Yeah. And I said, Jeannie, you got another one in you? Because I became a director then. Right. I wasn't aware of my personal I was in tent on getting these shots on the side of this muddy hill and lost focus on not only what I was doing camera wise but personnel wise uh-huh. and Jeannie said she looked at me with tears and I said sorry I just can't go again and then I realized how far I pushed it right. and I never do that and it was my mistake so I felt bad about it anyway they got to the bottom of the deal and he fell between her legs and they great my line of dialogue but I didn't do any stunts on that picture until we came to the waterfall. So there they are at the top of this mudslide, and Jeannie Epper has to go first, as is required in the film. But the power of the mud, the impacts they both received on the way down, and the speed they were travelling 
really took its toll. Cargo nets were placed partway down the slide so they could reach up and grab them to stop them going any further. And Terry asks her after days of filming the sequence if she's got another inner. Can she go again? And she said no, and you can't blame her. Terry said himself that was where he crossed his own line and became a director for a moment and forgot about the needs of the stunt performer. He certainly never done it again, and the lesson was most certainly learned that day. But the final shot of Jeannie flying off the end and into the pond and Vince coming down head first and landing between her legs was the payoff the director wanted. So it was then used by Douglas and Turner on the main unit. Hello crime fans, I'm Sean Coleman. I'm Chris McDonald. And I'm Rob Parker. We are crime authors. Well, I'm a publisher too. And I'm a giggling buffoon. (laughs) (laughs) We are the Blood Brothers and this is our podcast. Every week we speak to the best and brightest in the world of crime fiction. And embarrass ourselves hugely. No, that's just you. Yeah, definitely just you. Great. Coming to you from the Pod Dojo Network. And sponsored by Red Dog Press. We've got new episodes heading your way all the time. With giveaways and games. Interviews and insight. And laughter. Lots of laughter. Check us out now. On all your favourite streaming services. And give us five stars so we can't be our own one-star superstar. The Blood Brothers Podcast, your one-stop shop for the best crime chit-chat. Of all the action in the show, this waterfall gag is perhaps the most talked about. Having discovered the location back in the early 70s, Terry Leonard only had one way to go from the top to the bottom. Here he is to tell us more. Yeah, I was going to say that was the... Because the, 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 uh, that, that location, that waterfall, you, you said something to Michael Douglas about always having wanted to take a horse off those falls. Is that I did, back when I was younger. Uh, I, I always wanted to put them on a slide and not go for the highest one. But, you know, because, I mean, they did that in the old days. Yeah. They flip line, took one off out of a slide i knew how to rig it i knew how those guys did it back in the day you know and i and on two different pictures i wanted to take i take a horse off of there and we never did do it because i worked a lot in mexico and and it, it's about an hour and 20 minutes out of durango it's called saltillo saltillo and, uh, uh it's a river that's flat but really wide and an interesting story they wanted to do this cg they wanted to go to brazil and use a 190 foot waterfall. Right. And I told him, I said, come on, that doesn't look real. That's not going to work. Talk to Michael Douglas. I said, but I know a place in Durango that might work. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't been there for a while. And I didn't realize that they put a dam up the river. Oh. Hydroelectric dam. Right. So now there's no water flowing out of the dam. So we fly up there from Mexico City. We're still in Mexico City. We make a day flight to Durango. Uh-huh. We go out there and there's no water going down off the waterfall. None. And they tell us that there's a dam up there that they can let go, and they can they can judge the water, and they'll get the water coming down the river, and we can build the whatever we need there and go off the waterfall with a little yellow car. Okay. I said great. So we go back to we go back to Mexico City and finish the movie down there. The whole company flies to Durango. Uh, Michael goes to uh, New York to prep the boat going down Broadway, sailboat, and we go to Durango. Now, I've been down there a lot, and I know what the monsoons are in that country. Uh-huh. And as we're flying into the airport, I'm looking out the cornfields, and they're swamped. Wow. And I went, I didn't tell anybody. I said, oh, 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 oh. 
it's going to be interesting. Uh. So we get in the car, we got some location scout, and the spit is coming out of that hole. The steam, not the steam, but the, the spray, spray is coming out of that hole. We can see that from a quarter mile away. Really? And we get to that waterfall, and it's roaring what? because it had torrential rains and filled the water, the river up. Right. And I look at Vince Jr. We say before we prepped anything, I looked at this and I said, "Hey, you still want to go off of there?" And I'm kind of hoping he'd say no, <laughs> but he's a young stunt guy, the son of a very dear friend of mine, Vince Senior. Yeah. Vince Dedrick Senior. This is now Junior. Good-looking kid, looked exactly like Michael Douglas. Great double for him. A good athlete. And he looks at me and says, like, almost like, what do you mean we want to go off? Sure, I want to go off of there. And I'm going, oh, my God. I was hoping he'd say no. <laughs> he'd say no. So then we, we rigged that up, and uh, and uh, I didn't want the car to come off the waterfall and get buried by the waterfall. I wanted to shoot out over the waterfall. Okay. So it would be seen by camera all the way to the bottom. And uh, uh, so we built a ramp. It was 16 feet long on a two, uh, two feet of plywood, four by eights. And got it in there with a cable and a crane, and and it, it, it's a comedy of errors on how that was built. Mm. To get the car on that we could go down over the waterfall and come off that that ramp and shoot out over the waterfall and land in the in this big 200 foot wide or 150 foot wide pond. So how did we you come off there that? and I hung it too late. I told I told Vince I said don't be a hero. He was double he was doubling. Kathleen, I told Michael. Yeah, uh, I said, "Don't be a hero. You got to get off this in a hurry because if you stay too long with a, with something going down, you can't get away from it. You got to go away from it when you can get the purchase off of it." And I hung there too late, and down I went. And the first thing that went through my mind that I was gonna, I was, the car was gonna hit, and I'm gonna come in behind it and hit the little platform, the little piece of pipe that we had welded off the car, a little right. orange piece of pipe with a channel iron on it. And it cut me in half. That's the only thing that was going through my mind. And I was trying to get away from that as I went down. And when I hit, I hit in the impact zone. And I had I had two boats. I had uh, two safety men, the Bomberos from the, from the fire department with their scuba diving tanks and everything. Two of them were supposed to go to me and two of them were supposed to go to, go to Vince. Well, nobody went to me. And I'm caught in the impact zone of that waterfall and it turbulates me and the power of the water hitting me. Turned my whole body black and blue and knocked all my reserve air out and I'm dead. And uh, they got me out of a big AD, six foot four, named Javier. He came in because I got, I, I got in the, the, the swirl. I got, I got out from under it when I went limp. Right. And uh, I did a thing with Millie, it's called Big Wednesday, and got to surf with all the great surfers of all time, including the best big wave surfers in the world at that juncture, at that time of, 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 of history. And they said, Terry, if you ever get caught in a big wave, but I asked them, how do you guys surf all that stuff? And I done been a surfer. Learned, tried to learn how to surf down there on Big Wednesday. We were in Sanzal in, San, in El Salvador. And uh, they would tell me, the whole secret is to let the wave take you. Don't fight it. Right. Just let the wave and spit you out. Well, I passed out and I ended up getting spit out. Javier came and got me, they pumped me out. And I, neither one of those bomb barrels ever came to me. They all went to Vince. Before I was Vince, nobody even knew I was where I was. So I wow. guess they just went oh, home. I was getting turbulated underneath the, the water. And uh, uh, I became, I got, I was alive. And, and uh, it didn't kill me, but I, I thought, 
I guess I was dead. Yeah. I don't remember when, when I was out. And it's an interesting story that I want to tell that when people end up in a plane crash, and some people live and some people don't, the people that live sometimes have to get psychological help because they can't understand that they're alive and the person next to them was killed. And it's tough for them to handle. Yeah. Well, it wasn't tough for me to handle, but I did ask the Lord because I'm, I'm religious, but I'm not an in-your-face, old Father God kind of guy. Uh-huh. But I do have my moments with the Lord. And I'd ask him every now and then, hey, why did you keep me alive? Why am I alive right now? Didn't have an answer for it. Well, I met a gal, married her, and adopted her two sons. And as soon as I adopted those two boys, I knew immediately why I was still alive. Right. I was Well, that's it for this week. More on Friday with the YouTube episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you don't already do so. This podcast is brought to you in association with those lovely people from the Pod Dojo Network. And you can find out more about all their other podcasts by clicking the link below. Until next time, bye for now. (laughs) 